Do you know what the name of that last song was? I believe. I believe. And it's a, it's a, it's, it's a what we would call a, a creed in its own sense. It, it's a creed is it's it's a statement of your your belief. So I really appreciate that song and the words to that song, um, uh, because it almost has to do with what where the text is where we're going to be tonight. We're, we're in the book of what first first what Peter, Peter written by Peter. he also wrote second. Peter. Look at y'all, y'all are amazing. Y'all are on a roll. Uh, he was one of the twelve disciples. Uh, not doctors, disciples, and you wrote to believers who who were what scattered. They weren't in the same place. They were. So this was a letter that he wrote that was meant to go around to those that weren't really in their their homeland. They 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 were scattered from where home was, uh, and were they going through a time of prosperity or suffering? Suffering. Okay, they, they, they were, and so he's writing this this letter to encourage their faith. So understand that that's the context of the passage that we are at here in Second Peter, and it's going to we're going to be in chapter two tonight, and we'll be in verse six when we start. We're just not going to jump there yet. Uh, I've got a there's a group. Uh, it's a Christian group that's called the Barna Research Group, and they do a lot of surveys a lot around the world, but around the U.S. on on what do Americans today believe, this or that, and they ask things and do sur- surveys, and they're, they're very well known. Uh, and so this is a survey from two, 2015, and they asked the question, what percentage of Americans believe that Jesus was a historical figure? That means that he was, he really lived, he, he really died. What percentage of Americans believe that. What do you think that percentage was? 47? 47%? 43%? 5%? All right. 84%? 40? I'm going to go for one more. 20. The answer is 92%. 92% of Americans believe that Jesus was real. And there's just a lot of historical proof that shows that he was a, a, a real historical man. Now, what percentage of Americans, we're not talking about church folks, adults, this is adults as a whole, believe that G- Jesus was God? What percentage do you think? Okay, so nine, more than 9 out of 10 believe that he was real. What percentage believes that he was God? 31. I've got a 31. Do we have higher or lower? 34. 34. Hello, higher. 40. 40? 35. 45. 68. 28. 42. Man, you thought of that for a while. I'm going to go for the one in the middle right there. All right, 27. The answer is 56%. 56% of um, Americans on the survey believe that J- Jesus was who he claimed to be, that he was God. That, that's sort of a big amount. Don't, don't you agree? Does that surprise you at all? Let's, they ask a few more things, and, and this was interesting. What percentage of adults in America have made a, a personal, personal commitment to Jesus Christ that is still important to them today? Okay? What have made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ that's still important to them today? What percentage? 
29, 16, 36, 32, and 21. And last one. 45. Okay, the answer is 62%. 18 and up, 62% say, of Americans say that maybe a personal, does that surprise you? Man, that surprises me. There's a, one more thing that they ask, and, and it's this. What percentage of adults at least somewhat agree or strongly agree with the statement that G, 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 Jesus did not sin? What percentage of Americans either somewhat agree or strongly? So they lean towards, yeah, I think that's probably true, or, man, I know it's true. Let's go over here. 98%. Wow, okay, man, you got a lot of faith in Americans. 78% believe that, that Jesus never sinned, right? Okay. 68. 88. 95. 52. Last one. 73. The answer is, make sure I had it right, 46%. Okay, wait. Now, I want you to understand something. 62% have put made a personal commitment, they say, in, in, in Jesus Christ that they have stuck with. But only 46 believe that he, 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 he never sinned. My question is, then what did he do for you? If he couldn't take your sins, because he had his own to deal with, how does that help you, right? Would you all agree America's confused? Those statistics are just are, are wacky. They're up and down. They're high where you think they'll be low. They're low where you, you think they'll be high. But this is a legitimate, legitimate group. And so, so Peter, um, well, let me just, just read this part. Our, our world, I believe, is having an identity crisis. We don't even, Americans don't even, uh, they don't understand who Jesus is. And, and because of that, they don't know understand who they are. And I believe you really can't understand your true identity and who you're called to be by God until you understand who he is. Once you understand who he is, then you can understand and see who you're supposed to be. Does that make sense? Sort of, no. Some of you are like, let's go to sleep. All right. First Peter chapter 6. We're going to stand together and read just verses 6 through 9. First Peter chapter 2. I'm sorry. Did I say one? Sorry, I just want to keep you on your toes. First Peter chapter 2, beginning of verse 6, it says this, For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I'm laying in, in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But, if you, but you are a chosen race, a, lo, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you. We thank you. Uh, because you are the cornerstone as we talk about that. And God, that you are, you are the level, you are the, the measure that we line up with. And God, I just ask that you use our study of this, this text as we talk through your word, 
uh, that, that you will open our hearts and, and uh, Lord, help us to see your truth and respond. God, help us to be people who respond. Help there be teenagers in this room who respond to you, who are serious about your word. Uh, and um, Lord, when even friends or loved ones may even fall away from you, Lord, help, help, help us to stand tall and to fight for you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, have a seat. <clears throat> Did y'all see a phrase in there that had to do with us, some songs that we sang tonight? What was the phrase? Marvelous light, right? We sing that, that song, into marvelous light, I'm running out of darkness. You know all these signs? You know, I think, though, you know how y'all do this and this, and then y'all do this again? You're, only supposed, to, you're supposed to point at it first. You point. A lot of people were doing this. This, 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 and this. One of them you point. I just want to say, we can't say the word of God until you get the move right. No, I'm kidding. All right. Just, hey, I'm just throwing it out there. Some of you may think you're doing it right, but I love you, but you're wrong. Okay. So we'll work on that next time. We'll do a slow session for it. Marvelous light. But you know what? I, I put those songs in for this week because sometimes, man, I hope we... Is your hand up for a reason? Thank you. That has wrecked everything. We just need to evacuate the room. But thank you. If there's a fire, you let me know that, okay? That, that's your job. Um, where was I? Marvelous light. It's marvelous. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Paul addresses two types of people in this text, Right? Those who believe in Jesus, but we'll get there. And those who don't believe in can a world be? Can we look at our world in the same way? Can we separate our world in that same way? Those who believe in Jesus and those who don't believe in in Jesus, right? So we can take this text and go, okay, this can really apply to us today. Now, what I love is he quotes. Old Testament a lot here. We're just going to talk about one of them. It's in Isaiah chapter 28. I think I've got the verse. I think it's verse 16. And Isaiah, when he's quoting God. So Peter's quoting Isaiah who's quoting God. And this is what he says in that verse. Do you, do you have the verse? It says, uh, Behold, I am the one who laid as a foundation in, in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Uh, so in Isaiah, he's talking about a prophecy of a, of a coming Savior, a cornerstone, some, one that is, that is precious to God that's going to come and sort of be, be the baseline of how everything else is supposed to be built off of and to work. So it's a prophecy there, but where Peter talks about it, it's proclaiming what has already come. So one was a prophecy, one's now proclaiming, because the cornerstone and uh, look in verse 6. Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. The cornerstone there is Jesus Christ. Okay? And a cornerstone is this. And I think I've got, there's my notes. I've got a, a picture of a, a cornerstone right here. This is just to give you an idea. It's the stone that's in the corner. Wow, we're, we're almost finished. If y'all can get that point, we're good. But it's, 
it's the first stone that's laid down as the building is built. And it's got to be level and it's got to be square. That, that means it's, it's a perfect angle here and it's perfectly smooth here and smooth on each side. So everything that lines up with it and on top of it will be straight. If the cornerstone is messed up, everything is messed up. That's why last week we talked about that we were being built up into a, a spiritual what? House, right? So look at, look at this. This was the, the blank blank be, 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 beehive hut that, that, that we had from, from last week. And then we, we added a couple of names to it uh, of our youth group, right? And just to give you a picture on this, we just wrote Jesus Christ in the bottom. He was, he's the first layer. He's what everything else is built up upon. It's the cornerstone, but these aren't cornerstones. These are just rocks. All right, you can take that off. I'll confuse people really bad. Um, do, y'all, do y'all think of a... When I talk about Jesus Christ being the, the cornerstone, do you think of a song? Christ alone, cornerstone. The weak made strong. You know what? We will not ever be built right unless he's the cornerstone. You're going to be built into something. What are you going to be lined up with? The cornerstone, which is Jesus, is the only thing that is square and right and true. Everything else is off. So he's saying, hey, for those that are lined up with him, man, you are, you are going to be set. Now, read verse 7 and 8 again. It says this, so that honor is for you who believe. Okay, you will not be put to shame. You are taken care of. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the, the, the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They, they stumble because they disobey the word and as they were destined to do. Now, group two is those who don't believe. Okay, so we have a group that does believe, a group that does not believe. And they're ones that re- rejected. And here in the text, the first reading of the text, you understand who the builders rejected. The builders are the Jewish people. And they rejected the Savior that God sent to them. They were the first ones to reject the cornerstone. But this, in his context, he's talking about all unbelievers here. It's not just Jewish unbelievers. It's all unbelievers. It's interesting. He says the stone that for those who believe is what sets you straight and you build upon it. For those who don't believe, it's like a rock in the middle of the road that you trip over and you get, you, 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 you get hurt by because you don't see it in time. Have you ever um, talked to someone a little bit about Jesus, and they act like you, you, you lit their mom on fire, and they, you slashed their tires? When you go, hey, man, Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. <laughs> right? People get bent out of shape in the name of It's just the name of, of Jesus. Why? Because to those who believe, it's, it's the cornerstone. To those who don't believe, because of their unbelief, it becomes a stumbling block. They get angry. They don't want to hear anything. They want to, they're mad. They're ticked. They're trying to take you down. And you haven't done anything to insult them except just sharing what you believe and what Christ has done in your life. And they're like, oh, it's such a stumbling block. You know, I had, um, it, it, it says, it, you know, they stumble. You know, those that, that reject it, they, they stumble in their re- 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 rejection of Christ, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. And if you 
reject Christ, you will disobey the word and you will, will stumble. Okay, you, you, you will. An in, in, interesting uh, uh, note here. The words unbelief and disobedience in the Greek that are, that are used around here, it's the exact same word. Unbelief and disobedience is the exact same Greek word. Interchange. So unbelief means disobedience. Um, about 12 years ago, or maybe even more than that, I was on a hike with a 10th grade guys class on the Appalachian Trail. Anybody ever been on the Appalachian Trail? All right, about four or five of you. And so we were on this hike, and we drove like till one in the morning, slept at some, I don't know, it wasn't even a rest stop. It was a scary place. And uh, then we got to wherever we were going to go hike. And there was probably two, two, uh, two of us men and like 10, 10 guys that were all 10th grade guys. You would know Josh LaFamina and Jet. Justin Keaton, Genesis was a part of the group then. Uh, so it was sort of that, that the, if you've had folks at my camp that have worked it, it was when they were youth. So we go on this hike. And so it was not the time when you could go, okay, we're on the trail. Let me just pull up my phone, Joe, and see the trail goes this way, and I can keep track of where we are. Because uh, we had phones, but they, they flipped or, or something, you know. And, and, and so one of the guys had a G, GPS that was made to hike with but we couldn't figure out how to make it work. So we actually hiked two miles the wrong way on this trail to start off with, and then we had to hike two more miles back. So the first day was supposed to be a nine-mile hike, and instead it was going to be a 13-mile hike because we hiked four miles for fun in the start. <laughs> so we're on this trail, and we're, it's a three-day hike, so we're, we've got our gear, our tents, our food, all that stuff, and don't ask me to do this trip again, because you'll see why I've not done it since then. And, and, and so we're on this trail, and we're about six hours into it, uh, and there's probably four more left to go. And I'm going down. We're sort of spread out. We can sort of see our, our whole group. We've been chatting. It's be- beautiful, but you're like on a, like a, it's like a rim trail, and it doesn't, it's not like a straight drop-off. It's like woodsy, cascading drop-off, Right. So I'm going, and I don't, I'm just, everything's going fantastic, and my foot hits a rock. And all I know is my ankle bone was on the ground, like the ball of the, the ankle, which is usually bad, right? I think that's a bad thing. And I remember I felt it, and no, when, when you do that, and I'm, I've got this like 50-pound pack on, and I'm 35 pounds more than I am right now, so I was really in shape for this, and, um, and so... I felt it like twist, and so instinctively, my other leg hit the ground trying to pop off my ankle off the dirt because it was bad. And when I did this, I pitched off the trail, which dropped off, and I went about 12 feet down. I did a full flip with my pack because it helped propel me, and it was like, it would have been like a, like a, whoa, I won. But I, uh, and so my friends had to had to help drag me back up the top because I had my gear. I was in brushes, brushes, <laughs> bushes, whatever is this. You know, it was bad. So I get up, and I know my, my ankle, it's probably not broke, but it's, it's, my, it's swole up. My boot feels like it's tighter than I don't know what. Uh, something Nick talked about a week or two ago. And uh, it's tight. Uh, you, you had to be there for that. Sorry. Um, and so my foot is jobbed in my shoe, and so we're in the middle of nowhere. We've been hiking for six hours. We've got four more to go to our campsite. And 
I can hobble on it because my boot's really tight. So I take my boot, I tighten it up as much as I can to try to get it firm. And I walk for four more hours to get to the, the campsite. Now, when I get to the campsite, I go, I've got to take my boot off at this point. And I take my boot off, and my foot swells up in about four minutes like a terrified blowfish. I mean, it's like, phew! I mean, because the boot had kept everything, and it, it was like air got to it. It was like, Whoa! You know? And so the next day I get up, and my foot is, I don't know if bojank's a word, but that's what it is. It's just bad. And so I'm like trying to, to walk. I've got like 16 miles left. I make it about a half mile down the trail, and we find this old log, log, logging road. And I can't go any further. So the guys go, okay, we're leaving you here. We're going to go um, find the car, and then we're going to find you. <laughs> I know. And I was like, great idea. Okay, just leave me some food. Just so... So I'm, I'm sitting on this trail for like 11 hours. It's in this one spot. One, one guy walks by, who's on this trail comes by. He's like, you all right? Yeah, I like to sit here with my foot all swollen up. I'm great. So he leaves. I'm thinking, dear Lord, I might die out here. After 11 hours, night falls about to hit. They somehow, by the grace of God, find the road. Because we didn't have maps. And, and they, they picked me up and I went home. Whole point of that story, stupid rock on the trail. If that rock had not been on that trail, I'd have been fine. It's been a great trip. That's the last time I've done a trip like that. Last time. Jesus, to those who don't believe in him, becomes a stumbling block. Have you seen that before? Because I have. When someone goes, man, I don't believe in that, I do that, and you start to talk about him, what he's doing, it, it, it becomes something that trips, trips them up. It's not a good thing for them. It's, it becomes actually a bad thing because of their disbelief. My question is, where are you on this? Is, is your faith in Christ, your faith not in Christ? And so, so he, he's trying to get them to find, understand who Christ is and what it means to believe in him and, and if you believe in him or not. And then he says this in verse 9. He says, and it's, it's a, and I'm trying to think of an illustration for this day, and I just couldn't think of it, but sometimes you want to wake somebody up and go, hey, remember who you are. You know, when my, my, my boys go out, or my kids go out, I want them to, I, I want to sometimes say to them, hey, hey, don't forget, you're, you're not just representing you, but you're re- representing the Walsh name too. Above that, they're representing Christ. Sometimes we say that on a YouTube, hey, we're going to go out to eat, behave yourself. You're not just representing you, you're rep- representing Christ. Uh, but sometimes I want to re- remind the kids, hey, it's not just you that goes out there. It's, it's, it's sort of the Walsh name and where, where you take that. Peter here all of a sudden wants to remind them who they are. And this is what he says. And, and we're, we're not going to expound a lot on it, but I, I want you to see it. it says, he says, but you. He's talking about believers. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, this is who he's talking to. He's talking to you. Okay, just like you, he says this, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now 
You are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So remember these things. You are a chosen race, and that has nothing to do with the color of one's skin. We are a race of believers in Jesus Christ, also known as children of God, born again, what the world might call evangelical children of God. We're a chosen race, adopted by God, given all rights thereunto. Sometimes we, we, we lose sight. He says, you are a royal priesthood. Because we are adopted by God, we are heirs. We are, are, we, we, we are a, a, bro, a brother to the King of kings and the Lord of, of lords. We are royalty and we are a priesthood. That means that we have direct relationship with God because of Jesus Christ. You're a holy nation. You, you know what that means? And we say this over and over. And that, that means this. You're set apart. You're different than the world. And if you're not different from the world, you get, there's a, pr- a problem. When a church is not different from the world, there's a problem. When a youth group is not different from the world, there's a problem. When there's a student that says, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, but they look exactly, smell exactly, act exactly like the world, there's a problem. You're missing this what... You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means right? That, that, that was right. And this is one of the best parts. He says, you are not, you are not a, a people, but now you're God's people. Me, I'm an American. Well, that's great. But what's be- better than that? I'm God's. We are a people of God. That should change something. That should sometimes even change the way that we walk around, even on days that are hard. Uh, or things that are unfair, when someone doesn't treat us kind. Because this next part, he says, at one point you did not, he says this in in verse 10, uh, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Man, what a great thing that that Peter's just going, hey, remember who you are. And by doing this, you're going to remember who God is. And when you do that, it's going to change the way that you live. It's going to change the way that you face trials. Everybody in this room is going to face trials throughout the rest of your life. If you, if you don't face trials, you're smoking something all the time, and it's bad for you, and you're going to die from it, or you're dead. Everybody has trials. So, so he tells us what we do, and in the midst of this, he says three things. Of, he tells us who we are. In the midst of this, he says three things of what we should do. Look at this first thing. He says... He says in verse 9, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into, the mar- into his marvelous light, that you may proclaim. You know what he's saying to do there? Testify. It's not testify. It's testify. You know, it's, it's somewhere you, where you are talking about the greatness of God. What should I be doing if I identify with Christ in the likeness of his death and been raised to walk in glorious life? I testify about the greatness of God, who took me out of darkness into marvelous light. I don't know about you, but when I think back to when I was enslaved to sin, lost without Christ, I still remember, and it's been 30-something years ago, 
I still remember how I felt, but I remember how I felt that day when he dragged me out of the darkness. I didn't, I didn't even want to leave. And when I tasted and, and saw his light and his greatness, nothing in this world will ever compare to that. It's worth fighting for, so proclaim it. We've got to proclaim it. Be proclaimers. And then he says this in verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. Sojourners is just tra- traveler. Someone who's, who is like a foreigner who's not here for, forever. You're only here for a, a time. To abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Have you ever felt like there's a war against your soul? There, have you ever just struggled in sin and gone, I'm just trying to fight, but I just, I just can't. What do I do? I keep fighting. What else do I do? I talk to believers who, who will hold me accountable, uh, who will pray for me, who will walk alongside me. First thing, we proclaim. Second thing, we abstain. I mean, abstain, fight against these fleshly passions because they are warring against your soul. And they're not only warring against your soul, they're warring against the souls of everybody you have an opportunity to share Christ with. They are at war there. And then it says this. And some would go, oh, whoa. It says, verse 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So proclaim, abstain, and do good. Now, I don't want you to just be do-gooder youth group. I'm just going to do gooder this time. But we're called to do good, to be honorable, to be above reproach. That means I'm not even going to look like I'm in a bad situation. If, um, if there's a party that's going wild, well, I've, I'm there, but I'm just there to be a witness for Christ, and I'm, I'm not partaking. I'm just, uh, I'm, not, I'm not doing any of that stuff. Well, are, are you around enough where no one else knows what you're up to? You alone with this guy or that girl? Well, we haven't done anything. Well, perception is, is there, and lies come easy. Ooh, ouch. Do good. Live righteously. Choose to live righteously. Fight to live righteously. And, you know, it says why. Why do we do it? Look at the end of verse 12. So that when they speak against you as evil do- doers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visita- visitation. Why do we do good? Because we're trying to point them to God. I am one who is... I am not near as good as I, I sometimes wish or hope I could be. <laughs> it's a struggle. Uh, I, I, I need to be more forgiving and gr- gracious uh, to folks that, that, that have gone against me, I feel like, and just, just sort of move on. A person who I believe is fantastic and I can talk about, who amazes me at how they do good deeds, even when people don't de- deserve them, is my wife. My wife is amazing. Tears. Suck those tears in. She's amazing when it comes to being gracious. When people don't deserve it. And we had an issue 
this past week where we were invited to a, an event by someone who was very close to us. But it was going to be at a place where there had been hard words shared within our lives. And if you live any amount of time, any amount of time, you're going to have rough relationships with folks. Things are going to go south. Sometimes you may know why. Sometimes you do. But life is full of them. Am I right? Adults, right? They just come. And so we, this is like four or five years ago. We've sort of worked through it, but we were, it was going to put us sort of right in the middle of it again. And my wife both and I, we both knew it was right for us to go because we wanted to support the one who had asked us to come because we loved them. And it was, it was going to cost us to go because it was hard. We didn't know how it was going to work out. So we went, um, and uh, it was awkward. <laughs> it, was, it was a long hour. Awkward. The next day, but it was the right thing to do. The next day, um, someone who was there who was, um, has just seen, seen, known the past and, and, and what sent a text to my wife. I just want to read part of it. I've, I've, uh, I've, I've uh, ch- changed it out some, but this is what the text said. I just want to thank you for coming last night. I know that was difficult. Your family's amazing. And I love that I'm able to see Jesus' love, forgiveness, and, 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 and mercy through you all. I don't see that often these days. And I went, oh. going was hard. It wasn't a spot I wanted to be in, but it was the right thing. It was, in truth, the honorable thing for us to do, and it was hard. And we don't always, I don't always do the honorable thing. I will be the first to tell you that. And a lot of this has been the grace, gracious, graciousness of my wife, who, because of her strength, has helped to bring me along in places that I'm weak. But that's the point. Where we go, even when it's, it's, it's messy, and y'all got messy. I don't have to go, so y'all got to try to figure out what me- messiness looks like in your own life. Y'all see it. Y'all have had it this past year, right? So how do you deal with that? You deal with it honorably, with grace, with courage, with strength. Why? Because in the end, I don't care how I feel in the end or how my family feels in the end. If we can point somebody to Jesus, it's worth it. I can't say that every day about everything that, that we do. But I just thought, man, that was, a, that, that, that was just a great, great text. So what do you believe? I hope you leave here tonight. This is what I want for tonight. You to know who you are. If you're a believer in, in Jesus Christ, that you know you're a believer in Christ. If you're not a believer in Christ, the way the text is written, I just want to let you know, it doesn't mean that you are a lost cause and you will never have a chance. There's a, a, a pre, present tense to the way it talks that says you may not believe but man, if you just put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you begin to seek him and even go, hey, God, just show me that you're real. If you don't even believe that God's real, just begin to pray this prayer. I, I, I challenge you to begin to pray this prayer. God, show me that you are real. And then look around. Don't keep your eyes closed. And see what he does. Because he is. And he wants to take you. We live with so many burdens and so much weight And he wants to take us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's pray together. Dear God, I thank you so much.
for um, just a chance to talk about your word. God, help us to proclaim, to testify about your excellencies, your greatness. Lord, help us to abstain from these, these sins and passions that war against our soul that we battle against. Lord, may we be uh, men and women of God who, who honor you. Lord, may we, we do right. May we choose to do right. And Lord, may all this be done so that lost will see you and they will be drawn to you and they will believe in you. God, help us to have courage to follow wherever you lead. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.